You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash Film School. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. Half Nelson is a different kind of inspirational teacher film. It's a story involving Dan Dunn, a socially conscious eighth-grade teacher in Brooklyn, and Dre, a student who discovers him strung out on a crack in a toilet stall and tries over the course of the film to help him keep things together. With us today, Half Nelson's filmmakers Ryan Fleck and Anna Bowden. Anna, Ryan, welcome to Film School. Hey, thanks for having us. How are you doing today? Good. Pretty good. It's, it's good. warmed up in New York a little bit. Is that a good thing? It is good. We've yeah. been so cold lately, but yeah. uh, we're okay yeah. now. Yeah. All right. Very good. Well, congratulations. First off, congratulations on your uh, Best Director, Best Screenplay at the Independent Spirit Awards. Oh, thanks a lot. Thank you. Are you guys coming out to this end of town for that? Yeah, we leave tomorrow. Oh, very good. Any plans in Los Angeles? Or are you, or are you just going to uh, be with friends? We're going to have a good time, I think. We're yeah. going to have fun. We're going to go party. We're going to go rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> now, you're going to be at the Spirit Awards. You're going to be at the Academy Awards. Yeah, Brian will be there. Brian Gosling, not... Uh-huh. But, but he shut we'll you out, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, good. We'll, we'll, we'll look forward to seeing you guys out here. That's great. Tell us about, you know, you, you've got the, uh, the half Nelson. Um, do you need four people for a whole Nelson? <laughs> <laughs> what is a whole Nelson? No, just a whole Nelson. That'll be the sequel. The, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm very curious about about the, uh, the the music for that, the Miles Davis cut you talk about for uh, that. You said that it cost an awful lot of money, and that's why you you opted out of getting that. How much does it cost to get uh, some Miles Davis cuts? It was so expensive that our our producers who looked into it didn't even tell us. They were yeah. like. They're like, no, it's not going to work. <laughs> You'll be glad to know we're playing it a- after we, uh, uh, we're we done with the interview. Yeah. yeah, yeah a little, okay, good. Little bit can get away with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, we can. It's a lot less expensive for us to play it than it would have been for you. <laughs> Tell me, are you a communist? <laughs> um, what? Yeah. Well, in, in the, I, I thought you'd say that. Yeah, in the in the film, there's an awful lot of references yeah. in the in the political material that uh, you see in there that uh, seems to be a very leftist sort of lean to our main character. Yeah, I think that um, Dan Dunn was definitely influenced by you know his parents' generation from the '60s. I'm sure he has yeah, um, yeah. the Marx books on his shelf, but yeah. that, it doesn't necessarily mean that. Uh, no. No, 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 exactly. Were you influenced by your parents in that way? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I grew up uh, in Berkeley, and um, I was born into a commune. We had we had all those books lying around. Mm-hmm. Pick them up, check them out. Yeah. What about you, Anna? You have a left past. Well, yeah, my parents um, were definitely active. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't born in a commune. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in a suburban household, uh-huh. but. Um, yeah. You know, my dad's definitely active, and political conversation was an important part of, um, you know, dinner and everything growing up. You have clips throughout the film of different events, primarily in the 60s. Who came up with that idea? 
Uh, I think I'll take credit. For okay, that. <laughs> I'll give you some credit for that. Uh, but, okay. but you know, a lot. Some of those things were came out of Howard Zinn's People's History of the United States. Yeah, um, right. from a bunch of sources. But uh, yeah. I was reading a lot of that at the time. Well, the Mario Savio part was. I uh, never for, get tired of seeing that clip. Yeah, that is oh, such okay. a great uh, speech that he gave. Yeah, it's really it's, it fires you up. You know, it's it's pretty amazing. Talk a little bit about uh, Ryan Gosling. How was it that you uh, scored him for the role, and then then how did he? Uh, react to getting involved in it? You know, people ask that question a lot, uh-huh. and it still feels like a mystery, and I don't know that I ever give the satisfactory answer as to how Ryan Gosling got involved. Uh-huh. But we had initially written the script for somebody older. We imagined him to be in his mid-30s. Uh-huh. And so we were, in our heads, thinking of actors like Mark Ruffalo or Peter mm-hmm. Sarsgaard, those kind of guys. Uh-huh. But fairly early in, in the process of looking for the actor to play the role, Gosling got a hold of the script through our casting director. I don't know exactly how it happened. I think it was a casual lunch that our casting director had with his manager. She mentioned the project, asked to read it. And the next thing we know, we're getting emails saying that he loves it and he's interested. And so you know, we got excited because, uh, you know, it's exciting to have any actor want to be interested in your movie. Especially a great actor. Yeah. And he was, he was so active in the process of, um, you know, becoming involved in the story that it was really exciting to see somebody respond and, and really understand the script and, and want to take part in it. Yeah, I, I want to ask you, because they're, they're having seen it and listened to the uh, commentary, the first scene you did with him, you were watching the machinations that he goes through as an actor. That's got to be a pretty exciting part of any filmmaker's life, is watching your actors. Of course, you've 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 auditioned some of them. You know what they're going to be like. But to watch somebody like that go through that process, what was that like the first day? Well, it was great. I mean, it was. It, it went all the way back to, I think, when we were auditioning girls mm-hmm. for, for Dre's role. And, you know, we didn't audition Ryan Gosling, of course, but when he came in and read with a few of the girls that we had picked out, it was just really exciting to hear those words come through his yeah. mouth for the first time. And it was like, wow, this guy, this guy's really good. Right, like, because the words on paper are, like, dead, but he was able to breathe such life into it. It was really exciting. It's a very fine job with the uh, script, too, I must say. There's just a, there's a lot of good open space in it. Mm-hmm. Where, I mean, you, you put a lot of trust in the audience, and, and that's always refreshing to, to, to hear something like that in a film. My compliments. Oh, and, good. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's, uh, it's good to have smart audiences as well. Yeah. Some people get ticked off by all the open, breathy space around the, the scene. And the soundtrack is excellent, too. I know I mentioned Miles Davis up at the top. But he's not in it, and, and that's, uh, well, <laughs> he's dead and buried right now. That's, but <laughs> but uh, you know, I can never understand why some uh, you know, mu- music publishers do something like that, where they can go into a, get a bigger audience. But Broken Social Scene just seemed to work uh, wonderful in, in those spaces that were left open. They, yeah, and they were always such an important part of um, the film for us, their music. Even before we knew that we could use it, we were listening to it while we were writing and played it on set. So yeah. it was just such a pleasure to be able to convince them to let us use the music in our movie. Now, the part of Dre was played by a non-actor. Now, how did you get her? Well, Sharika, you know, we had made a short film version of Half Nelson in 2003 called Gowanus Brooklyn, and that focused more on Dre's character. We shot it on video over weekends very inexpensively as kind of a tool 
to raise money for the feature. Mm-hmm. But when we were casting that, we just started in our neighborhood where we were living and went to middle schools, junior high schools, and asked kids to come audition for us, which was basically a series of conversations with the kids just to find out how comfortable they were with us. And Sharika was one of the first people we saw, and she just really won us over with this great presence, great smile, and she could communicate so much without saying a lot. And that was the most important part to us. The film itself seems to to capture uh, a certain kind of magic. Are you feeling kind of a good glow off of this whole project? Yeah, I mean, it's just been a great year, Uh beginning with um, making the movie, which we all just had a great time doing. And it was our first experience, and it was just great to work with so many amazing, talented people. And then from Sundance, releasing the film, it's just been really fun. Great ride. We're hoping to to move on and make another one this summer. Do you have anything in mind? Are you uh, working on any particular project? Yeah, we have a couple scripts that we've been working on, and... um, I don't know if I can say too much. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he can say too much. Well, no. It's it's possible to say too much. Now, you, now, now <laughs> yeah. you, you, the two of you have worked together uh, for on a couple of projects, not just Half Nelson. You, you mentioned Gowanus um, Brooklyn. How did you guys begin that process? Where did you guys meet, and how did that evolve? We met, I was still in school at Columbia, and he was, um, he had just graduated from NYU, and I took a summer class down at NYU, and he was working at the editing desk. And, you know, we had some friends in common, worked on some student films together. And then when I was uh, taking a nonfiction class at Columbia, I started to do a little short that became Have You Seen This Man? That's the title of the short. Mm -hmm. And I asked for Ryan's help, and we ended up kind of co-directing, co-producing everything together. And uh, I guess we we liked the vibe that we had when we were working. Together and uh, continued from then on. Anna, you're credited as the screenwriter. Did you do? I mean, do you collaborated on the script? Yes, yeah, I mean, it's a collaborative effort. Yeah, we we both wrote it together. What is that process like? Is, is it a is it one of those where you come up with an idea? Do you flesh it out that way, or is it? Are you thinking on the same <laughs> thinking in the same line? Yeah. I don't know if we have a science to it yet. I okay. think it's sort of all over the map. Mm-hmm. We, one of us will come up with an idea and. And either the other one gets excited or the other one says, that's terrible. <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> and then we go on to the next one. Terrific. Well, the dialogue on, on Half Nelson, obviously, it's the, that is the, the film. As Nathan mentioned, that the silences in it provide a, a very dramatic punch to, to what's going on. There's a couple of scenes. I don't want to give too much away, but the scene of Dre delivering drugs to the hotel, motel, whatever it was, and seeing Dan there was a remarkable scene. I don't think anything said during yeah, that whole scene. Yeah, and that's what uh, my point is, is uh, there's so little dialogue in that sequence, if, if any, and yeah. yet it, it really has, a, it's a very dramatic impact for the film. Now here's a question for you. How does that play out on the page? About how, how many pages it was that scene? Um, it, it was a, it was written relatively short. I think we tried to do some visual detail just to get a sense of what was going on, and I think there were a couple lines written into it, just a, a couple very short lines that we ended up stripping away on set. We knew we were going to cut them when we were writing it, but in a way we kind of needed those lines to, to explain a little bit mm-hmm. for our financiers or whoever was sort of behind the movie, just to to let them know what was going on. Do either of you have any uh, crack cocaine experience? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> crack cocaine. Yeah. No. You base these characters, or at least a few of them, on, on uh, they, it seemed fairly realistic. 
friends, anything like that? Did you draw from any experiences that you've had? Yeah, I mean, I think there are people that we all know yeah. that have taken some kind of addiction a little too far. Right. Or, you know, it's fun at first, and, and then somebody's still going, and, and you start to wonder what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, it, it's not based on any one specific person, but I think a combination of people, and, and not specifically crack, but, you know, yeah. the, Just the addiction. Addi- the addictive personality. Mm-hmm. I heard, too, that you've... Uh, are you a fan of Frederick Weissman? Was there anything in particular you do from him, or just the the feel in general? I think that um, when when we watch his documentaries, one of the most interesting things to us is when he chooses not to pan away from somebody or not to cut away. And that we really studied and tried to have in our filmmaking, just like giving giving that space and not always trying to make something move faster. And that's something that I, I hope comes through a little yeah. bit. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It, you get, you, at least I get the feeling that I'm seeing what I'm not supposed to see sometimes when that happens. Right. That's how I feel when I, I watch Frederick Wiseman movies, like... You're, you're watching somebody that somebody doesn't want you to be watching them, you yeah. know. We spoke with Wiseman, was about a month ago or something like that, and one of the things he said when he directed is he, he had hand signals that he used with his cameraman mm-hmm. and kind of pulled him around and stood in front and, and, and directed the cameraman what to do. Is that anywhere close to your style? Well, um, no. I mean, usually what we do is, we would have some kind of roaming documentary-style master shot uh-huh. that we do first, and where our, our camera person, Andre Perrick, who was our DP, he would have the freedom to sort of move around. If, he, if something caught his eye, he would go with it. And, and then we would you know, get the traditional kind of singles and, and close-ups, uh, usually. But you know, there was a couple times where you know, his eye would be in the lens, the eyepiece, and, and I'd see something in a mirror off in the background, and I'd whisper in his ear, you know, yeah this way or, you know that happened occasionally but um luckily with fiction film it's not just like your one shot your right, one right. chance to capture it and then it's gone so uh, if, if something got missed then we'd be able to shoot it again yeah, yeah. are you finding now that uh that you've met with success here with half nelson in your next project is the money going to be uh, the, the finances <laughs> of uh, underwriting the project is it still the same struggle or are you finding that you've got some more opportunities here Ask us in a year. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm not okay. sure. Yeah, we, we don't know. It seems like, you know, there's definitely more, we have more access to talking to people, but still not sure how easy the financing's going to come. When you shot this, how much uh, how much footage did you have? What did you edit from? We shot a lot. We shot yeah. a lot of film. In fact, um, we had a 24-day shooting schedule. We finished in 23 because we spent most of our time shooting. Uh-huh. And we moved very quickly, but it, we also shot a lot of film, and it was kind of the deal with going over budget in film stock. Uh-huh. We had to, like, take off a day. But it, uh-huh. it was, it, we didn't feel too rushed. It felt right. But um, well, I don't know what the exact number of footage we shot uh, was. Yeah. Right. Did you do the editing on, a, like, an Avid or a Final Cut? Is that how you... We edited on Final Cut, and I think that the shooting ratio was pretty much 20 to 1, right? Mm-hmm. Is that... Yeah, and I think on a big movie, that's nothing, but on yeah. a little indie, that's, uh, you know, pretty substantial. Yeah. Yeah. Was, was that a, uh, a fun experience, too, in the editing? Did you really enjoy the editing down of this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's my favorite part, is yeah. getting in the editing room and, and watching and, like, rewriting the story, almost. Finding the part of the script, the, the, se- the center of the script, 
yeah. then seeing what uh, everything else that happened and how everything else that happened on set kind of changed the specifics, but then reconnecting mm-hmm. with that center, that's really fun. Did, did you find that in, in the edit, that it, the, ch- the story changed significantly, or was it, is it, is it what you're saying is essentially the same core uh, of the script uh, remained? Yeah, like just the core is definitely the same, and, and actually most of the specifics are the same, though there are some scenes that got you know, lost in the shuffle because it was going to be a three-hour movie and it really, nobody wants to sit and watch it for three hours. <laughs> so we, we ended up cutting a fair amount of scenes from the movie and, and realizing how little you actually need when you have really, really strong actors, yeah. how little you need to get across what the emotion of, of the movie is and what the core of the movie is, and that was really fun. Well, there you go. There's your there's your full Nelson. Yeah. There's your, <laughs> there, right there, you've got another. Yeah, but before we leave you go to, I, I'd just like to say, I really enjoyed the scene with uh, with Dan and Frank, the confrontation scene there, the drug dealer teacher scene. It just seemed to have a real nice feel to it, and, and it's it's so opposite of what you'd expect from a of a teacher inspirational type of film. You expect that to be the you know the knockdown drag out, and instead, it's not. Yeah. Did you? I know you planned it that way, but was there a point in time where you didn't know what their confrontation was going to be like, and then suddenly realized you had two characters here that would uh, yeah this, they would resolve this situation this this way. This was a yeah. natural way for them, given the story. So much of this uh, film runs contrary to what your expectations are for this kind of a film when you. We're, we're, we've been raised with a certain sort of mentality when it comes to this kind of a film, and it, it doesn't run that way. And I think that's a great strength of this yeah. film, and, and I think you've done a, a I'm going to ask a job. question, though, Mike. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> you did ask a question. And I... did, did you intend to go uh, to counter to things, or did you just kind of play it out and see where these characters took you? Well, you know, I think it's, a, it's definitely a great um, uh, result of the movie that it goes against expectations. But I don't mm-hmm. think we set out... I think when you tell a story, you don't want it to be predictable. So I yeah. think, you know, we we definitely set out to have some surprises throughout the film. But I don't think it was like, hey, let's let's shatter the genre of inspirational <laughs> teacher. You know, I, that wasn't really the intention. But that thing you mentioned in the, the confrontation in the street, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. And um, it, I think you know, we've been writing the script for five years before we made it, on and off, not not five years straight, of course, but I think that's one of the few scenes that was the same from the beginning to the end. Oh. It was always planned that way, and um, it's, it's still one of my favorites. Yeah. Well, well, Frank is a terrific character, and, and the way he, he's played out, he, he's a very charismatic guy. I thought he did a remarkable job also. Yeah, Anthony Mackey's great. Yeah. He's really fun to work with. Yeah. yeah. And the cat did a great job, too. The cat. Oh, there you go. Your cat. Your cat. Well, I want to thank you very much for coming on uh, Film School. Future success to you and all your endeavors. We've been speaking with Ryan Fleck and Anna Bowden, the creators of Half Nelson. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. To learn more about Film School, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at KUCI.org slash film school.